0: This is tape number nine of Dr. Joel Hunter's series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. The subject of this ninth message is faith when facing aggression. And from the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's text is found in 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verses 32 through 37. And it reads as follows. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. And now, let's join in for praise and worship, followed by Dr. Joel Hunter's message, Faith When Facing Aggression, message number nine of the series faith from heaven to earth.
1: God, that song is so much fun, and uh, we just appreciate the fact that we can come in here in joy, in victory, in promise, and in hope, and in faith, because of what you have done in Jesus Christ on the cross. And so, thank you for the fellowship that is gathered here. Thank you that you called us all out this morning we know that it was not a wake-up call for nothing you have us here for a purpose and now God as we um, approach your word uh, we approach it again with gratitude it is so wonderful to have a book full of eternal truth but God you know uh, you and I've had this conversation before I cannot figure this thing out well enough to tell it to people You've got to come. You've got to come with your Holy Spirit and teach us yourself. I'll move my mouth, but you've got to move in the hearts and the minds of your people. If I say anything stupid this morning, Lord, let it be erased from the minds of your people, blown away as the chaff is with the wind. Father, if you will have me say something of truth, let that stick and be a time-release truth. Come up again and again as we need that, as we access it. So, be with us now. Thanks for the privilege of studying your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, sit down and yeah, you your scriptures with you. Turn to First Samuel 17. I've been talking about how God builds faith through discouragement. And in the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about how He builds faith when we are intimidated Last week, I talked about the intimidated, uh, intimidation of circumstances. This week, I'm going to talk about intimidating people in your life. And I will guarantee if you don't have any of those right now, you will have someday. It is our lot to have bullies in our lives, people who strike fear into our hearts. And of course, the natural biblical reference is Goliath and David And so that's where we will go today. I want to forewarn you, uh, those of you who are theologically minded, very deep, philosophical people, um, this is a simple message uh, full of just practical, personal application. And so that's the mood in which we approach this. Let me set the scene for you. David, as the youngest of Jesse's sons, Jesse had eight sons, As the youngest of Jesse's sons has already been chosen and anointed as king over Israel, except there's still a king, Saul. He was anointed as the future king, not as the present king. And you know what he did after he was anointed? Went back in the shepherd's field. Went back with the sheep. I say that by way of encouragement to those of you who believe that God has something really significant for you to offer in a spiritual sense, in a way of leadership uh, in this world, and you find yourself still, uh, you know, swabbing out toilets and picking up old dirty socks. Uh, just do your job. You know, when when time comes, God will create uh, that that venue for you to just take that leadership. So don't get discouraged that you're doing everyday stuff. David was doing everyday stuff. Here he is out looking at the sheep. You know, and and there, meanwhile the armies of Israel are gathered against the armies of the Philistines. Now, Jesse wanted to know how his boys were doing. Some of you have had boys in the army. Some of you have had kids away at college, you know. And and one of the ways you can get word from them is to send them a little contribution. And then they'll send you back a thank you note, tell you how things are going. So so that's what jesse does he, he says he pulls david out of the sheep you know the the, the, the flock uh, and says i want you to take this stuff over to your brothers they're over there fighting well they weren't over there fighting they're over there cowering is what they're doing this you know goliath is walking up and down over nine feet tall two feet taller than Shaq. picture this guy and a lot bigger you know picture it walking her saying come on you know anybody come and fight you know all the Israelites, <laughs> you know. Well, David goes over and and finds his older older brother Eliab. Now Eliab is is a little ticked off at David in the first place because his firstborn. See, he would he would be first in line to to inherit whatever uh, great things there were. And here he saw he'd already seen David chosen as forecast as king. So he's he's not too much in favor of this kid anyhow. And and, and then he comes and and and. He's cowering and is ashamed of his fear. And David, this little strapling kid, comes up and, and looks at his older brother and says, How come nobody's fighting this guy? Well, you can just imagine how he felt. He looks at David and he starts dressing him down. You know, he says, He says, He says in verse 28, He says, With whom have you, have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You know, in other words, you have got an important job. You know, I'm in the army. You're here looking over a few sheep. Who'd you leave your few sheep? And then he starts to He just fires off and starts questioning his motives. He says, I know the insolence and the wickedness of your heart. You know? Well, David looked at him like, this. you've had this happen in your, in your house. You know, a kid walks in, a brother just takes off on him. Got nothing to do with the kid walking in. It has everything to do with he's already got something on his heart, and so he just fires off at him. Now, what usually happens in a case like that? Boy, that brother comes right back at him and says, oh, yeah, well, i tell you, know. You know what David did? David looked at him and said, boy, what happened there, you know? He, he, look, at, look at verse uh, uh, 29. He says, what have I done now? <laughs> Was it not just a question? In other words, whoo, boy, you got an attitude. <sniffs> Man, you're hot. Not getting into this, you know. He didn't get into it. You know, Say, I'm like, oh, never mind, you know. You're in a bad mood today. Just walked away from it. See? Well, then the Bible says in verse thirty one, when the words which David spoke were heard, those words that says, How come nobody's fighting this guy? They told them to Saul. Saul's the king. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him, Goliath, you know. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth but David said to Saul your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine and Saul said to David he was so desperate for somebody to go out he looked at David his little, little weenie guy he looked at David he says go and may the Lord be with you <laughs> he was just so just, you know he's a, he's a commander of the armies and none of the armies will fight you know and so he gets a volunteer and says yeah great you know well, l- l- let me just teach you a few things that you can just pick up just from reading this uh, scripture about a hundred times First of all, before David ever got to the aggressive bully, he had to go through what I call sub-bullies. That is, people that God allows in your life that don't really mean to intimidate you, they just do. They question your motives or your ability. Many times a sub-bully is somebody who's in your family. And they've known you since you were a little boogerhead, and you've never gotten out of that role with them. And they really don't credit you with much ability at all. And they really question your motives. You know, who are you in this for? You know, that's exactly what uh, David's older brother did to him. So I know the wickedness of your heart, man. Don't be telling me. Don't be coming up here like you're going to fight this guy, man. I know, I know where I know where you're coming from. So, so there are obstacles. To even get to the great battle in life that we think we're meant for here, um, and and one of them is to have your integrity questioned, not by those who hate you, but by those who love you. Now, one of the ways that you can react to that is to justify yourself, you know, to go, oh yeah, well my heart is clean as yours is. I know you know, just go on that direction, which is what usually what happens in the family. I want you to take the example of David, blow it off, go on. Don't spend a lot of time in self-justification because they've known you too long. <laughs> and, you've, and, and, and Jesus says, "Wisdom is justified by her deeds." Okay, so so don't get involved in that in the sub-bully thing. And then when somebody questions your ability, maybe somebody at work is saying, "Man, you can't do that. Are you kidding? You can't do this." Or, or, or there's a voice inside your head that comes from the past that says you have no ability. You don't. You can't possibly accomplish this thing. Don't see that as a personal attack for which you have to go into a great deal of, of you know, laying out your plans and oh, yeah, well, how about if I do, you know, so on and so forth. Most of the time, people have done that, not to get on your case, but just to preserve you. When Saul's first reaction to seeing David there was to, was to keep him safe. You know, you can't do this, David. You haven't got ability. That guy's been fighting from the time he was a, he was a baby, you know. He was, it, was a, it was a matter of protection. Many times when people tell you, you you don't have enough ability, they're trying to protect you from failure. What comes across to you is a discount. It's a, it's a demoralization. So what you need to do is just presume to know the three things that David knew. Alright? And let me give you what those three things are. Let me tell you why David could go out against his Goliath that day. First of all, he believed in a primary truth. And the primary truth was this. There is a God who is involved with his people. There is a God who is involved with his people. That's one sentence. Hebrews 11.6 says, To have faith, you must believe not only that God is, but he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You know how many people I know who believe there is a God, but they don't believe he's involved with his people. They don't believe he's on the scene. They don't believe he's always there, integrally intervening in the events of everyday life. They believe that there's somebody who created all this mess and then went off somewhere, nobody knows where, to kind of sit until he comes back and reams everybody out. You know? Or until you die and then you had it. Do you know what that's called in today's society? A deadbeat dad. That's a deadbeat dad. Why? How can we get so angry at at men who are so irresponsible as to father children and then leave them to themselves and go off and do their own thing? We get so angry at at, 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 at fathers like that, at human fathers like that, we, we call them, you know, totally irresponsible, you know, children themselves and so on so but yet you believe in a God like that? You believe a God who would father children and go off and leave them on their own? Come on! That's deism at its worst. No, David believed that there is a God who intervenes in the lives of his children. And that's what you must do if you are to face intimidating people or circumstances. Number two, he believed that that God had already involved himself in his life. He was smart enough spiritually to know that he wasn't standing there through his own merits or through kind of the luck of the draw. He said, you know, when I was out in the field, lions and bears, came. I smacked them on the head. You know? Killed them! Just had a step. Bang! They were dead. He said, you know what? I think that was God. Well, that's pretty smart, isn't it? Let me ask you. Do you think... That it's just by the luck of the draw that you're here this morning? Think back, either physically or morally, at the consequences you deserve of your actions. Chances are that God has pulled you out of more than one fire already, or you wouldn't even be sitting here this morning. Can you not understand that it was God intervening in your life already? That by all intents and purposes, you shouldn't even be here this morning? Either you would be dead or you would be out one of the unbelieving masses that, that, you know, because of the consequences of their sin or whatever, just turned away from God. No, you're here because God has already intervened and he has brought you here. This is no accident. And so therefore he believed not only a primary truth but an experiential truth. God has already been involved in my life. And that led him to the third truth. God's going to be involved now. (laughs) God's going to be involved today. God's going to do to this Philistine what God did in my past, to the lion and the bear. Okay? Now, when you believe that, then you have a basis to go into the battle, to the primary bully. Once you've made it past the sub-bullies, you go to the primary bully, and that's who's yelling at you right now. Who wants to take you down right now. And like I said, if you don't have anybody in your life right now, you will have someday. How do you how do you approach folks like that? Boy, we can learn a lot from David. First of all, he depersonalized the battle. Do you notice in the book that he doesn't even call him by name? He just categorizes him. You know? Just says, refers to him once as him, you know. Don't let your don't let your uh, uh, your people's hearts fail. Look, it says, and let no man's heart fail on account of him. And then he called him this uncircumcised philistine, <laughs> like you know. Here's here's something very important to remember. When you're facing a bully, it looks like that person is your problem, and it also looks like you are their problem I want to tell you neither is true neither is true you're not their problem if they weren't yelling at you they'd be yelling at somebody else it's got nothing to do with you personally all of us go through this thing oh I wonder what I've done I wonder how I can correct my behavior so they'd love me you know a bully's just mad and he's going, to, he's going to yell at whoever gets in his way that's what Goliath says just send somebody out and I'll yell at him. you know I'll make fun of them. I'm making fun of all of you now. So don't don't feel all persecuted personally because somebody picks on you. If they were not picking on you, they would be picking on somebody else. You're interchangeable. And I want to tell you the reverse is true. It looks like they are your problem. That's not true either. They're not your... Never personalize failure or success in anyone but Jesus Christ. Never personalize failure or success in anyone but Jesus Christ. you know why? Because once you do that, you have given that person way more power over your life than they deserve to have. That person is not the determiner, determinant of your fate. God is. Nobody replaces God in that role. That person just happens to be a hindrance that God is allowed to stand in front of you at the moment. Don't concentrate on him or her. Concentrate on your goal. Your goal, what God has given you to do. Do you realize that David that day was concentrating on two things? He was concentrating not on Goliath. He was concentrating on the honor of God... And he was concentrating on the welfare of the armors uh, of the armies of Israel. It says, "Let no man's heart fail him on account of Goliath, on, on account of him." And it says, "He has taunted the armies of the living God." David had two things in mind: God and the people that surrounded him. He did not have in mind as his main thing to defeat Goliath. You know that same. Thing is true in effective businesses. Um, I came. Uh, somebody brought me a book yesterday called uh, um, uh, "Built to Last," and and I read it yesterday. Uh, it's a it's a great book. It's about 20 companies in the United States that over a period of 50 years have been the absolute. Phenomenal growth countries and companies and have continued to grow at a phenomenal rate. They have not plateaued. They they continued to garner the corner of the market. In front of this book, it has ten myths uh, that people believe about successful companies. One of those myths is this: that companies get successful by defeating their competition. These authors studied all of those companies, and not one of those companies was concerned even significantly with defeating the competition. Every one of those companies was concerned with one thing, and that was accomplishing the goal for which it was made. Competition, yes, was a reality, but competition was not a focus. You understand? It must be that way in your life. Competition or bullies or whatever you want to call it, adversaries are a reality. They must not be a focus. Your focus must be Jesus Christ, who he made you to be, what he made you to do. And when that is true, then you have the proper perspective to overcome the bullies. You don't expect to... You don't expect too much from them either, by the way, by way of, of uh, you know, um, negotiating. Uh, um, um. Well, let me show you what he did. This is, this is fascinating to me. <laughs> In verse 36, he grouped Goliath with the animals. He said, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Now, let me tell you what he was doing. David realized that there are some people in this world that only understand aggression, like an animal, you know? You know, don't you, that there's, there's probably a ceiling level on the mentality or the mental ability of a bully. If there wasn't, he wouldn't be a bully, or she wouldn't be a bully, you know? People who think don't have to resort to that kind of aggression. And so, he looked at Goliath and, and he said, you know, this is not a matter of, of real negotiation here. I, I don't, I'm probably not going to walk out and just convert him to the Lord God of Israel here. I, I've got to read, read the situation as it is. The guy's acting like an animal and that's what he's going to understand. I'm not going to understand this wonderful, wonderful truth I have for him. Probably not in this situation. I heard a story once about a... a a man, an old rugged farmer back in the prairie days, and he had this team of mules that he just, he, you know, this guy was rough as a cob, you know, and just go out and he'd yell at him all day, using foul language all day, to, you know, so on and so forth. Well, one day it was uh, it was going, time to go to church and his family had talked him into going to church and and, uh, and they got word that the, that the preacher's uh, buggy had broken down and so they asked this guy to go by and pick up the preacher. And, and they'd meet him at church. And so they're all assembled at church. And, and uh, you know, man, 15 minutes late, half hour minute, uh, half hour late, 45 minutes late. They, they couldn't figure out what happened to him. Finally, an hour late, they, they come. They're finally rolling down. And here's this old guy in the, in the buggy with the preacher sitting beside him. And they get out and the preacher goes in the building. And they, they look at the old guy and said, what happened? He said, well, after I picked up the preacher, the mules couldn't understand a word I was saying to him. I'll give you a minute here. I'll give you a minute. Sometimes animals only understand the language of aggression. Okay, it's catching on. It's catching on. He cussed at him a lot, all right? And he couldn't cuss in front of the preacher. Okay, okay. The point is that as you... You know, so many nice, wonderful, spiritual Christians have said, you know, if you just say the right words, people will believe in Jesus Christ because everybody's hungry for Jesus Christ. Well, uh, that's a wonderful effort. And I would would encourage you to make the initial effort. But don't expect a lot there. There's a ceiling level uh, beyond which you will not work. I've raised three boys and and I've always encouraged them to try to talk their way out of problems, but but I don't keep saying, going back to bullies, saying, well, sit down with them and talk. You know, to me, everybody looks like Goliath. Now, I've, I've, faced a, I've faced a lot of bullies in my life and, and haven't been able to talk to a whole bunch of them beyond a certain point. And so David looked at him and they says, as the lion and the bear, you know, I realize I, I just got to face this guy on his, on his own terms, but watch this, not on his own territory. That's an important differentiation. You've got to be appropriate and suitable to what they will understand or what they won't understand. But you can't, fight them on their own territory, on their own, in their own way. Okay, I see so many people who just believe that they ought to go up and start out-arguing a bully. I want to tell you that a bully has argued all his life. You're not going to out-argue a bully. He's not going to, he's not going to listen to you. No. Here's the two things that you've got to keep in mind. Look at what, look at what David did. After after Saul said, Go and may the Lord be with you, Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with armor. And David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. And then he took a stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. brook. And he put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Two hints straight from David. When you face a bully, number one, don't get defensive. Armor is defensive wear. That's why you wear armor, so so that whatever they do against you really won't hurt you. Most people spend most of their time trying to think up how I can defend myself against this bully. And so, they impede their ability to be flexible and move. David was smart enough to say, I'm not going to major in defense. I'm going to major in offense. I'm going to major in doing something positive. Number two, not only don't get defensive, don't get close. Don't get close. Can you imagine David taking that stick that he had? The stick was a, was a, was a fake-out measure, you know? Goliath like said, said, what, you're coming to me with a stick? You know? No, he, didn't come. he came with a sling. When he picked up those stones, you realize the sling was the closest thing in that day to a rifle, that there was. Did you ever see any at Indiana Jones movie? I forget which one, Indiana Jones and something or other. And and, and out of the and out of the crowd, it, 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 he's walking along in this crowd or chasing somebody or something. I can't remember exactly, but there's this like this 300 pound ninja that just whoo, whoo, hops over, lands. You know, he's got this huge 10 foot sword. You know, and he goes oh, yeah, 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 and, he just, and he's just slicing... through. You know, and Indiana Jones standing about 20 feet from him. You know, just looking at him like this. And he goes, and points at him. And Indiana Jones goes, bang. You know. That <laughs> just falls over. It's a great scene, you know. Well, David didn't go You oh, back. You know, got my stick. You got your sword. No. Bang. Well, he was gone. You know? He was gone. Listen. Don't spend a lot of time in close-up combat with a bully. Let me tell you something. I'm almost done here. Let me tell you something. I know a lot about bullies. I know a lot about bullies. And David did too. You know the weak spot of a bully? is always their head. It is. It's just what I told you, just a little bit. The weak spot is always their head. Bullies don't think well. If they did, they'd find another way to negotiate life. Most people try to to get bullies by their heart. You understand that's why they are bullies. Because they've been hurt. They've been hurt. They're angry. And and they're blustery, and they don't ever want anybody to get to their heart again. There's armor over that heart. Don't try to go with the heart. (laughs) No. Figure out what you need to do in order to accomplish your task. Out think a bully. You can do that. You're smarter than that. Outthink a bully. And they will be felled by a thought instead of by a debate or by mutual aggression. Okay. I think that's all. Pray with me. God, thank you that you have given us In our lives, bullies. I say that because I know that no one helps us to depend upon you more than a bully who reveals our inadequacy and raises our fear level. We depend on you many times best when we're most afraid. No one helps us to check out our motivations or our lack of ability better than a bully, the purity of our heart. So thank you for the test that you put us through when people are aggressive. We would pray for a very few things this morning. and We know that you will provide the answer to these prayers by faith. Number one, we would pray that you would help us not concentrate on that person. They are not our goal. Their defeat is not our victory. Our victory is to become like Jesus and to do as Jesus would do. So help us to take our focus off that person and to continue being productive. Number two, we do pray that if anything we could say or do, any way we could act, would give them something to come to you about or for, Lord, we would love that. So if there's any little way, let that, be, let that be a part of how we respond, but not all of how we respond. But third, Lord, we just pray that we could be effective for you, that we would be as intense about guarding your honor, as intense about doing something for everyone and not just ourselves, as David was. Help us, Lord God, to serve you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now stand, and I'm going to read for you a benediction. This, comes, this benediction comes from Ephesians chapter 4. This I say, therefore, affirm together with the Lord, that you no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding. You did not learn this way from Christ. Put on the new self, in which the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Amen. Go from this place and walk in Him. Amen.